Want an edge over Vegas? Download BetQL, the app you need to get an advantage this season. Discover value bets, line movement, and find out what bets the public backs with BetQL. The best part? BetQL is free to download from your mobile device. Head to betql.co and use the promo code NBA for your three-day trial. Give yourself an advantage over Vegas and download BetQL. That's betql.co and promo code NBA. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from the Ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Climber, aka Kevin O'Conflict, aka Kevin O'Concert, aka Kevin O'Candyland, aka Kevin O'Clarify. Oh, Kevin! Boy. Chris, what up? How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm going to save our NFL argument for the end of the podcast. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. But we do need to start with all of the big NBA news. And who would have thought that by yesterday morning, Monday morning, there was big NBA news that dropped. The first one out of absolutely nowhere was that Ryan McDonough of your beloved Phoenix Suns (laughs) has been ousted eight days before the season begins um and now obviously a week from today will be the first games uh when you first heard the news that ryan mcdonough was relieved of his duties running the phoenix suns you thought what the timing was shocking um i mean i knew he was on the hot seat for sure and i think the moves that they made this summer chris were kind of an indication that there was pressure from ownership for mcdonough and the front office to move towards winning. Like, it's win time now. You know, they, they the additions that they made with Ryan Anderson, Trevor Ariza, all suggested that they're going to push for that seven or eight seed, that it's, you know, the, the rebuild is over. It's time to win, right? Um, and, you know, talking to executives around the league, nobody knows for sure why he was fired right now at this moment, and I'm sure we'll find out more as time passes. Um but uh, the theory is that, you know, maybe there was a mandate for him, for the front office to find a point guard by a certain date, or there could have been a disagreement on whether to do a move or not for a certain point guard. And look, uh, there's been a lot of conversation about their need for a point guard, and they do need one, right? Harrison's their starter. Eli Yacobo, who I like a lot, is an unproven backup point guard. But Devin Booker is still going to be the guy that's going to be handling the ball a lot in that offense. And I think Sarver, I think it's very unusual timing to do this now, Chris. It's very unusual to do it now. And I I would have waited if I were Sarver, but I'm not Robert Sarver. Yeah, and it strikes me that Ryan McDonough, I think, has done a very good job of being rather media friendly over the years because it was, I felt like a lot of the attention went to Sarver, who is admittedly by most NBA standards, like has been a bad owner, right? And and then immediately it comes out how much he is involved in the day-to-day. So that's what makes it hard if you are telling me that Robert Sarver is more involved than any other NBA owner in the day-to-day decisions, it then becomes a little bit difficult to decipher between, okay, what what do you put on McDonough then? Because objectively, his record is terrible. I mean yeah, he's he, had some big misses. I mean, he he blew it in the draft. Uh, he blew it with Lynn. He blew it with Marquise Chris. I know you still are holding out hope for Bender, but I mean, he. But blew it looks it. like he blew it. Yeah, it looks like he blew it there. That's three hard picks. The other thing is he took over that team, and I went back and looked. That is one of the most unbelievable uh, seasons. Was that first year that he was there? That forty-eight win team that was right there in the playoff mix with uh, Jeff Hornacek's team. That first year that had, and you look back, there's a lot of guys that rotation players on good teams, playoff teams, Barbosa, Bledsoe, Drogic, uh, you know, even their later guys, Channing Fry, Ch- Channing Fry and, and, and Gerald Green, Marcus, both Morris, Morris twins, twins yeah. PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it was like so many good things that I felt like the guy did then ended up being screwed up. I mean, you attain Isaiah Thomas for virtually nothing. And like I know that, that he has been quoted he has been quoted as saying if there was a move I could take back. But I mean, he brought in somehow 
He ends up with Isaiah Thomas. He ends up with Goran Dragic, who made the all-star team last year, and Thomas, who had one of the great offensive seasons of all time a few years ago. And and Bledsoe, he ends up out of those three with Bledsoe, <laughs> and then that becomes a disaster. And like now, it's possible he got fired for not having a point guard. It's like, what in the hell? Yeah. Like, it's definitely, not that it's more removed. than that for sure. It's definitely yes. more than that, right? It, it's, it's, it's a history of things. McDonough had this job for five years, right? It's not, it's not like right. he was hired one year ago. There's been a lot of time to evaluate him. And, and, you know, to your point, Chris, about some of the mistakes with the, the draft and the trades, it's also just been like guys wanting out. Like some of those guys yes. wanted out. There's tension between that trio of point guards, Drogic, Bledsoe, and Thomas. I believe at one point, Markeith Morris wanted out. In any case, Chris, I can understand the firing. It's just the timing that's odd, uh, especially with the summer. That that I felt like they had a pretty solid summer. DeAndre Ayton. This was, was better than... I mean, obviously, I didn't like the trade, the Ryan Anderson deal, but, I mean, it, the other thing was, you remember, every offseason... It was like the Suns are going to take a run at Carmelo Anthony. The Suns might be the landing spot for LaMarcus Aldridge. The Suns are a dark horse for LeBron James. It was like, what? They had like, a meeting scheduled with Blake Griffin. Yeah, it was always they're, they've got a shot at getting somebody, and then they never got anybody, right? And then they made these trades. Um, you know, like I mentioned, the Isaiah Thomas one. I mean, you end up with Marcus Thornton, right? And a, fir- and a yeah. first-round pick that ended up being Skull Um you you ended up like one of the deals they had they had drafted uh Bogdan Bogdanovich, right? Yeah, but look so, like he's a good player. Some and, of these and they deals, moved him. Though, these are misses, Chris and Bender. You know, but you every team misses picks. And like this isn't in defense of the Suns. It's it's really just in defense of just general managing in general. It's not easy to draft. Like they've had hits getting Devin Booker outside of the top 10. Uh, to me, Eliakobo unproven, but to me, he's a potential steal at 31. Um uh, they, they've had some hits. Josh Jackson is not bad. The way he ended last season, TJ Warren, another Another real quality scoring option off the bench. And we'll see how the Mikhail Bridges for Zaire Smith in the future pick deal works out. But Mikhail Bridges is another person who could be another three and D option as part who really fits their young core. They have young talent. Like that's why I'm so high on their future. I still like their future. McDonough, it doesn't matter if James Jones, Ryan McDonough, David Griffin, Kevin McHale, it doesn't matter who's the GM. I like their players. I like a lot of their young talent on the team. He did a solid job, even though he made some critical mistakes, obviously, which is why he's gone. He did not do a solid job. He did do I a mean, solid he had- job. He did a solid job getting getting some guys like Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Josh Jackson, TJ Warren. There's some solid young talent on that team, in addition to some critical mistakes, obviously. Well, I mean, I so mean, you, you, when I say solid, if I'm saying like one to ten, it's like a five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, so it's I mean, pretty they, average. He took over a team that ended up winning 48 games. And then they went 39, 23, 24, 21. You should have good you players. You and I both know that team overachieved, that 48-win team. That's fine, but they still had a lot of players on that team. And then the next year, you end up with Isaiah Thomas. This is literally the great case study against not blowing it up. It is. They had players. What You know what you're going to do? You're going to try to go and what? augment. Listen. They were never you a blow-it-up team. You can trade for Booker. You can trade for him. Like that, like in terms of the thirteenth pick, you could have traded for the pick that you got Warren in, so you didn't have to lose a million games to get those guys. And those are your two best picks. You lost a million games and ended up getting Alex Lynn and Marquise Chris and Dragon Bender, and then weren't even and you hadn't even flipped those for anything. Now Aiton might work out for sure, right? Like it's better now now that they got they finally got the number one pick. But, I mean, you can't blow all the, like, you lose all those games to get those high picks, and he blew them. All three of those, I mean, those are pathetic. (laughs) You've got nothing to show for it. Alex Lynn, Marquise Chris, and Dragon Bender. And so that's why you lose, right? The idea is you lose. If those lottery balls fall a little bit differently, they end up with Simmons or Ingram or Brown. But they don't. Yeah, they didn't. And so they took Bender, one of the youngest players in the draft, who I like a lot, a lot of people liked a lot, and who is really disappointed and looks like he sucks. <laughs> he looks like he really sucks. But 
the pick was not a bad idea. Even the Marquise pick, uh, the Marquise Chris trade, I was never a big fan of Marquise Chris. I think I had him 10th or 11th on my board. To me, he was the biggest home run swing in the draft, and that's what they did. They took a home run swing, and it's some of the guys that went after him in that draft, not a lot of guys that you're getting super excited about. It was a calculated risk. They traded the Papayana's pick and the Scalavissier pick, as you said, with Bogdan Bogdanovich. Maybe it looks like a kind of a wash for both teams where it might not work out. Bogdanovich is the best player, but at the time of the deal, I'm not sure Sacramento is viewing him as the crown jewel of the trade, is my point. And well, and Bogdanovich I, is a guy I liked in the draft, and he's been well, and cool I, to watch. I, I look... I look and I see what he took over, and I see a lot of guys that have been rotation players on playoff teams. You know, yeah, yep, see- so a lot, lot of rotation players on playoff teams, and now what they have is one of the youngest, best stars in the league in Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, who could be one of the best big men for the next decade. They have some young talent on their team now that can actually push for a championship instead of being a middling seven, eight seed that. Th- that that's what they were with all their role player talent. Now they have some star talent in their organization. Well, no, you might have been able to get a star if you weren't a piece of shit for f- three years. You, we talk about the free agency. <laughs> These wow. free agents don't want to go to crap teams. That, I disagree. I, I, they don't. I, I think the fact that someone like a Lamarcus Aldridge took took a meeting. The fact that a Blake Griffin okay, had a schedule took a meeting, meeting. Yeah, they who took, cares. Look, okay, here's the, here's, here's the thing. I've right, been thinking about bi- this. What, you no, tell let, me, what I, big I wanna, free I agent? Say this. Let, let me say this, Chris. Please. I, I've been thinking about this. What happens when all those max cap slots get filled up, like in the big cities? LA, KD goes to New York, Brooklyn signs a guy, right? What happens when the max slots are filled for those big cities? Where are player, players going to want to go? They're going to probably go on to places either that are close proximity to those cities, or they're going to want to stay where they are. All right, you and, tell and, me and the Phoenix, terrible... Phoenix has shown to be a team that players are willing to take meetings. Great. They can take all. all the meetings they want. What's the last big-time player that signed with a rat team? If you want to consider LeBron, They're not, they're not going to be a rat team because they have Devin okay. Booker and DeAndre Ayton. They're going to no, be no, actually no, a, saying, a quality team that it will be appealing to players to, to but want I'm to saying, play with. You look over the course of the... Well, you have to win... Players want to win. Yeah, the winning is Who coming. Has signed? The winning is Who coming. Signed? Oh God, you said that three years ago. No, I. Yeah, I, I might. I didn't say that three years ago for what it's worth. When I wrote this, when, is, when, when, when we, is we, it didn't even, we didn't even know each other three years ago. When, all right, when is it? When, <laughs> when, when is it coming? They're winning. They're winning team this year. No. Oh, so what? Next year? They're, they're going to be one of they're those. They're winning team next year. I mean, you tell me when. Chris. When are they winning team? When are they a winning team? I think yes. next. I think next season is probably, t- in my opinion, that should be the goal: winning next year. Okay, so that will be by, six years by, from the last the, time that they were a winning. And, team. And by the way, in terms of players going to rat teams, Chris LeBron James went to the L.A. Lakers. I said that. I said unless you want to count LeBron, yeah. Which that is obviously because he wanted to be in Los Angeles. They could have had anybody on You know, it, it is just L.A., but if L.A. really had nothing on their roster, like when I say rat team, I, I mean it almost sarcastically because they have Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, a lot of young talent on that team and cap flexibility moving forward. That to me is the appeal of Phoenix to a lesser extent because Devin Booker is already getting paid $27 million next year. So one of those max slots is already filled. And there's a couple other, like TJ Warren's making around 10. They have less cap flexibility moving forward. But they still can add that other star player that they would hope, you know, complements Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton moving forward. There's some appeal on their roster. I I, I see teams around the league that didn't necessarily have to bottom out and in order to right. attain right. star power. That, that, right. Yeah. There's also, <laughs> we've been through this who's so you, many hey, times. You, we, well, we've okay. argued who's, about this endlessly. Almost every team that's won a championship has had a top draft pick on their team. Who's Utah's star, Kev? It's Donovan Mitchell. Right. Okay. And Rudy Gobert. They didn't have to win 21 games to get it. Yeah, you're right. So for some it teams, that works done. out. For right. some well, teams, that works out. All right. So ne- I'm, I'm putting you down right now, next season, not this season, of course. Next season, the Suns will be a winning team. I mean, that's not saying much. They will have a winning record, which will be great six years later. I don't know if I go that far. I can't predict what they're going to do next summer. I I think when you factor in 
the the constant progress of Devin Booker each season when you factor in DeAndre Ayton into his second season. I mean, we're talking like 2019-20 season right now. But like when you factor in all that, I think they could certainly be quite a fun competitive team. But in the Western Conference, who knows, man? That's that's the val- variable where it's tough to really project ahead. It's loaded in the West. And right now, Phoenix is one of the two teams and Sacramento that don't have a chance at, a play- at the playoffs this year, in my opinion. I think if you've got a team that is a good team, this is exactly like what happened with Utah a couple of years ago. If you've got a team that's a good team, that uh, and they had a pretty good team, um, and you can augment it, you can move it. By the way, they had a huge star in Isaiah Thomas, which they blew. They had a huge star Phoenix, in Isaiah Thomas. Phoenix we're yes. talking. He wasn't a star yet. But they blew that. You see the talent that the kid ended up having. The kid was, you know, he's in I'm not the sure friggin- anybody blew it. The situation. Just, oh, I'm serious. Like, if you've got Isaiah Thomas and you and you move him and get nothing, they in screwed return, up the trade, obviously. But the, I, I thought you meant the situation itself. If you have That's Isaiah Thomas. Thomas, and Thomas just didn't click. And by the way, I love Isaiah Thomas, but he hasn't necessarily been the easiest guy for a lot of his teammates sometimes, especially in that situation. How out of those three do you end up with Bledsoe? It's malpractice. Bledsoe, it's literally malpractice. Bledsoe at the time is 24 years old, I want to say, coming off his impressive early career with the Clippers. That's why you end up with, with Bledsoe, because he's a, he's a young two-way point guard. Isaiah Thomas was not a high-efficiency 29-point-per-game scorer yet, and Drogic, good player, of course, but Bledsoe at the time, 24 years old, two-way point guard. Yeah, I okay. feel like he was the right guy to keep at the moment. Oh, for God's sakes. What, Isaiah what Thomas is, became an all-NBA yeah, no, no player, and Dragic is an all-star. Keep Bledsoe? Uh, well, we're talking about, dude, you can't revise history here. At the time, Eric Bledsoe was viewed no, as... at the time it was stupid. The trades were stupid. Oh, forget it. No, the, the whole thing was stupid. <laughs> Kevin, you're oh defending keeping Eric Bledsoe and losing Dragic and friggin' Isaiah Thomas, one of which was all-NBA and the other one's an all-star. Yeah. Because we're four years in the future now, and we know this. At the time, they were both better than Bledsoe. At the time, they were. They've always been better than Bledsoe. What? That team won 39 games, and they had a bunch of real players on that team. A team that, by the way, a free agent may say, well, they just won 39 games. I could take them over the top. And you could have won by year three if you're McDonough. Instead, you just ran the thing dead into the ground and took a bunch of bums in the top 10 picks. All right. I can't believe we're talking about this, but at the time, Isaiah Thomas, sixth man. He's a sixth man. Undersized sixth man who doesn't play a lick of defense and a guy who was unhappy because he wasn't getting enough touches. Are you going to keep that guy who's not happy in his situation or are you going to keep Eric Bledsoe, who at the time is 24 years old, high-intensity two-way point guard, and if you're projecting ahead, you assume more progress on the offensive end of the floor, and there has been progress. He's gotten better as a pick-and-roll ball handler, gotten better as a passer. He hasn't improved as, as like anybody would have hoped as a scorer, but the passing has improved. Are you going to keep that guy, or are you going to keep the guy who's unhappy and doesn't play any defense? Well, that talent evaluation is the job, and he chose Bledsoe, and Thomas was mad, and Dragic was mad. And I'm saying of those three guys, he chose wrong. And in fact, You're right. he had a he had a two out of three chance and still blew it. I think we're arguing different things right now because obviously he was wrong. But what I'm saying is, is keeping you, you act like keeping Bledsoe was dumb. It wasn't dumb. Bledsoe was a valuable asset at the time. Very valuable. I, mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I, I seriously don't know what to say. You have three point guards. You have three point guards at the time. Three point guards. And one of them is Isaiah Thomas, and one of them was, was Goran very Dragic. Unhappy. And one, was very so unhappy. was Dragic. They, you yeah. know, that's how bad you screwed up the whole thing. And even this is the craziest thing. Even Ryan McDonough <laughs> says if there's one move I could take no back. Kidding. Oh, and so no kidding. No kidding. That's you? the one move you would take back. <laughs> We're arguing different things right now, Chris. What I'm saying is, is Eric Bledsoe was a really valuable player at the time. That's it. And your initial your initial stance in the argument was that keeping Bledsoe was dumb. I'm saying, no, 
Keeping Bledsoe was not dumb. The trades themselves, which are a separate thing, were dumb. Especially the Isaiah Thomas trade. That was the bad one. The Drogic one, it wasn't. It definitely wasn't good. But you, you know what? You're right. Bledsoe obviously led them to such tremendous success that that proves that oh Bledsoe was the right move. Oh, so now, now, now the results are what matter. Now they added brought them to tremendous success. What did Bledsoe do for them? Not a lot. Okay, it hasn't worked out for that team at all. Okay. And I, I believe I saw Dragic in the playoffs and on the all-star team. And I believe I saw Isaiah Thomas put up one of the top five offensive we seasons on the in same NBA page history. Right now. We're not even on the same page right now, Chris. I don't know. I mean, it sounds, it sounds to me like you love Eric Bliss. <laughs> I, you're doing like, this is what you do. You do the process thing. At the time, it was the right move to make. At the time, it was right to take Marquise Chris. Well, like, dude, you don't get credit for... And for what it's worth, I'm not saying the Chris move is right. I say it was a calculated risk. That's all. I would assume that they recognize it as a as a significant risk too. Just as everybody in the NBA thought Chris was like a boomer bust prospect. Like, I think everybody was afraid of drafting Marquise Chris for that reason. And we're seeing the bus side because he's really not that good. He's still really young. He could end up solid, but he's not that good. And neither is Bender. I look at a guy that took over something that was not hard to make a winner and somehow turned it into sure. a colossal loser. Nobody expected that team to win 48 games. Way overachieved. I agree with you. And I still think Jeff Hornacek's a good coach. I do. I think he is, you know... Two bad franchises of which he's coached with. I don't hold the Knicks thing against him the same way I didn't hold it against Mike D'Antoni, right? Was Mike D'Antoni all of a sudden a bad coach because he didn't win with the Knicks? I mean, it's been it's been pretty hard to win with the Knicks. I don't think anybody's done it in a long time. <laughs> all <laughs> so, I'll say is this, Chris. I just think I'm going to be proven right about this Phoenix Suns team. I think they have a lot of young talent, and they're going to be pretty solid moving forward. I hope we are still Devin doing Booker. the show in 2021. Guess who, guess who they also <laughs> guess who else they added this summer? Because that's when that's when you could possibly be right is in 2021. <laughs> guess who else they added this, this summer, Chris? One of our first little jokes on the show from two years ago. They added oh, Rashawn, Rashawn Holmes. Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Now you really love him. Oh yeah, Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, he's. I say this. I do. Out. I still got Josh Jackson stock. I do. I think Jackson's going to be. I do. I feel like you secretly like their team. No, I like Josh Jackson. Uh, you, you like you like the guy who can't shoot well. I tell you, the two guys I like on the the two guys I like the most that I'd want are Jackson and Warren. The, yeah, the two like guys that. who can't shoot threes. Yeah, your old school basketball ways are showing. No, I don't. I, I, I don't. Again, what, are you are you productive? <laughs> do you me. <laughs> do you do it? Like again, I don't mind if you can't do it as long uh, as you don't do it. Josh Jackson this preseason, scary. Three of eighteen from three. Oh. Scary. That's terrifying. I'll tell you. Terrifying. It's scary. Jackson. Jackson is going to be the type of player who you're going to have to turn him into more of a playmaker and take advantage of that skill that he has, which is underrated in my opinion. Is passing. He's still very. He's still very young. Yeah. He's still very young. Yeah, he's still very young, and he's never shot well at any level of his life. I'd be worried about Jackson's shooting ability. You're going to need a floor yeah. spacer alongside Booker and Aiton, and Jackson's not it. No, yeah, no. I am. I, I. I will cop to this. I am one that watches both ends of the court. Um, and those <laughs> guys. Those. Those guys are both like foxhole guys to me. Those guys both play hard mm. all the time, and I win more than I lose if I've got yeah. more guys like that. Warren's. I, I like Warren a lot. Uh, I. I think he's a great scorer. I mean, he's a he's, he's a great scorer. He's. I mean, he, yeah, he's a different player than than Josh Jackson. Jackson is, is a. He can be a solid playmaker. Warren is just a pure scorer, right? Mid-range floaters, mid-range pull-ups. Man, I wish, I really wish Warren could extend his range to three because he would get buckets. Well, and the crazy thing is, and this is, you, you can go back and look, I was literally at Josh Jackson's career high. The night I saw, I mean, the night, the the one one of the nights I've seen him in person over the course of the first couple of years, he was the best player on the court by like such a wide margin. It was ridiculous. He was unbelievable. He had 30 something in the game. I mean, you could, anybody could go look it up. He was freakishly awesome. <laughs> he was going to the line. He was doing everything. Um, and so, you know, that yeah. obviously it hasn't. Did you say Jackson? You yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ja- Jackson, look, Jackson's going to be a, a player for a while because of his defense, passing. Um, and, and, you know, he can score. It's just a matter of can he score efficiently. 
I've always kind of coveted Warren too. I've just, I just like him. I think he's different than most guys in the NBA. He's a spark plug scorer at the forward yeah, spot. I like, I like guys that are different. He's awkward. He, he does a lot of things that you don't see a lot. All right, let's get to some of the uh, news and notes over the course of the past week. So speaking of seeing teams, I've seen a couple since we've last spoke. I saw the Pacers and I actually tweeted this out. And upon that, I went to go look up, like, see if there were any articles about the Sabonis kid, DeMontis Sabonis, because I saw him in person. And the second I saw him, I was like, holy mackerel. I mean, Kevin, I am telling you, this guy is shredded. Not like he looks to be in good shape. Like he is shredded and was an absolute mammoth on the boards, which has not been his calling card necessarily and he looks crazy nimble and so i went to look it up to see if anybody had written about it and i found a couple different articles where he had gone and uh worked out a lot with miles turner who has revamped his body in a major way the last couple of years and like he's doing yoga and lifting weights and whatever and at one point during one of the articles there was like a tweet i suppose that miles turner had put up of both of them like working out and both of them are like I mean, they look like they're going to friggin' compete in Mr. Olympia or something. But the Sabonis thing, I think, is something to really monitor because he obviously was good for them last year. It's not like he was some kind of in terrible shape, but there's a clear dedication to getting better and better. And seeing him, I was mega impressed. I mean, in the preseason, I think he's second in rebounding to Enos Cantor. I've always liked him, uh, certainly coming out of college, just because he was so skilled. But he's worth monitoring. I, I I would not be surprised if Sabonis is a guy that could take a leap this year. I remember talking to my old boss. I used to work for a sports psychology company, Eric Weiss. Uh, we talked mm-hmm. about Sabonis before the draft, and I remember him saying to me, "Like Sabonis is he he could be really special. He's going to be the steal of the draft, right? Uh, you know." And Sabonis fell to the eleventh pick. Um, where the Pacers traded for him after the Magic took him. Um, yeah, he, he's made significant progress, Chris. I, I think, you know, Sabonis was a, was a sensational rebounder at the college level. That dude physically boxes out. Uh, yeah, he's he's instinctual. Uh, and, and that shows in other areas of his game, too. I, I think as as his body has developed, it's allowed him to be a better rebounder. It's allowed him to be a better defender with NBA con- NBA conditioning, strength and conditioning. He's gotten better on switches. He always showed the ability to move laterally, um, but I think he's gotten a lot better at that. He's learning about the intricacies of defense. Sabonis is, is maybe, maybe I don't know. I don't know this for sure, but he might be a better prospect than Miles Turner, the guy who's starting right now. Well, it's interesting because they've talked about being able to play them together. Now, Turner didn't play in the game that I saw, but he, when you talk about being fleet of foot, you know, he, I think he struck people as maybe a heavy footed guy when he was coming into the league. And that's the big difference. You see these guys and how much more nimble they become. It happened with Mark Gasol, who ended up becoming an all star and defensive player of the year. We saw that transformation with Kevin Love. Um, so Kevin there have Lewis. been big guys have done it, and it is also the thing that you have expressed and many have expressed in why doesn't, you know, you wish Jokic would do it, right? Because it could go, <laughs> you're right, like that you wish that Jokic would come back, and, and next thing you know, he looks, and he maybe he will at some point, I don't know, he's already gotten his money, so that's usually when it happens, right? When, it, when it's coming down the pike on money time. That maybe you decide that, oh man, there's a hundred million dollars on the line. Maybe I'll, you know, become the best version of myself. Uh, and I know you've said that about Jokic before. For sure. I mean, some, Sabonis was never, never like chubby or anything like that. It was just about shaping right. his body. You know, yes. with, with him in college, like he showed signs of being able to switch when he was at Gonzaga. Uh, but you're right. Like, you know, sometimes he was a little bit heavy footed. And, and I was worried about with Sabonis, my worry was. If he's not a shot blocker, which he's not, he's going to have to be able to switch or become an elite positional defender. And he's gotten, he's always had good intangibles on the defensive end of the floor. He's always been a smart player. Um, So he always had that, and that's only gotten better. But he's also gotten better at switching. Um, In addition to being a potentially elite rebounder, he's going to at least be a plus for you on the defensive end. He's not going to hurt you. And so when you factor in his offense, his pick and roll, his screening, when he crashes the boards, his passing uh, to me is a little bit underrated. He's not like his father as a, as a passer, but he's a solid passer. 
Sabonis just does a lot. He does a lot of good things. You know, the other thing that I was thinking about uh, recently, Kev, was that trade. I mean, you look up and Oladipo is a guy that's totally revamped his body and became one of the best shooting guards in the NBA. You think back to that trade and it's like, man, this could be one of those rare, massively beneficial to both franchises trades, especially if Sabonis becomes even better as time goes on. The other thing is for a team that has won as much as Oklahoma City has over the years, I'll be damned, man, they nail the draft more often than not. I mean, if Sabonis becomes this really big player, I mean, that's a guy that they took at uh, 11, um, much like they did, you know, Steven Adams was kind of an eyebrow raiser at the time, and Adams has become one of the, you know, most solid centers in the league for sure. Um, but it would also speak to the fact that they, they did draft the kid right at Oklahoma city, which enabled them to be able to make that trade for Paul George. But the trade's going to look a lot different. If Sabonis becomes a big time player too. For sure. You know, it's similar to our, our son's conversation where we're like at the time of the trade, like to me, it made sense to keep Bledsoe at the time of the trade. And I was dead ass wrong about it. I didn't like the trade for Indiana. And that was kind of a learning experience for me looking back at that because Sabonis was a guy I liked in the draft and after one year in Oklahoma City where he was essentially a spot-up shooter that wasn't that good defensively I soured on him and for Victor Oladipo it was a little different it was four years um, and he plateaued but again it was a type of thing where there's so many other factors in, in, in player evaluation and player development for Sabonis, a lot of it was role. It was opportunity. Uh, the situation he was in where he he was put into a spot-up shooting role that didn't allow him to do all the other things that he does well for Oladipo. It was about just leveling up his training, uh, what he did last summer and again this summer. And, and that look, man, that deal is working out beautifully for Indiana and myself and a lot of other people were just dead wrong about it. Well, and the Sabonis thing, you know, he took a massive amount percentage of his shots from three in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And that was just wrong. About a third. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just wrong. I mean, it, it, it goes back. It goes oh, back to wrong. the Warren. Yeah, yeah, it is. It goes back to the Warren thing. I don't mind if you're efficient doing uh, the other. I disagree. If you're efficient doing the other, well, clearly, look, they used him massively different in Indiana, and he was a much more successful player in Indiana. How about how about accentuating what a guy does really well? How about okay, that? Yeah, sure. Okay. But Sabonis is a career 32.7% three-point shooter, which is the equivalent of 0.981 points per shot, which would mean you need to shoot 49% from two for it to have the same value as it does from three. And what does he shoot from two, Kev? Definitely not 49%. And I mean from deep mid-range on jumpers. Definitely not 49%. Well, his two-point percentage is 52. Yeah, but that includes like at-rim shots. What? I mean, he shot 35% from three on .5 attempts last year. He was doing more of what he is good at. That's my point. Oh, yeah. You want to get him more at rim shots, but I mean, like, shooting threes is not inherently bad. You want him shooting more threes and less mid-range jumpers, and he shot a lot of mid-range jumpers last season for Indiana, which is one of the things that I hope they change moving forward. Less mid-range jumpers and more three-point jumpers. So I just pulled up the the stats right here, Chris. He shot 36.8% on mid-range jumpers on 136 mid-range jumpers, which is very low amount. It's just not good though, but it's compared that's to That's a low. It's not like he's taking a lot. You play 82 games? Yeah, compared to only 37 threes though. That should be inverted the other way. Though it led to much more success for him. Well, it can lead to even more success for him and for the team. Well, all I know is he averaged half a offensive rebound in Oklahoma City and he averaged over 2 in Indiana. I'd rather have the big guy by the basket. But I know we disagree on that. You love the big guys that are allergic to the paint. Well, it's um, also different team philosophy. Like this is a general statement, not about Sabonis, but like that's a tough part about looking at offensive rebounding numbers because some teams crash the boards and have their player attack for offensive boards. Others say get back on defense because we want to pre- prevent transition offense. It's tough tough to to gauge that. Well, he was he took a lot less threes and was a much more efficient player last year than he was in Oklahoma City. That's all I'd say. And I think this year, um, I think he's I, th- I think he's got a chance to be fantastic after seeing him uh, up close and personal. The other team I saw was Atlanta, and that's going to be the worst team in the league. They are. 
do you think there's anybody else that could even fight with them to be the worst team? Mm. <laughs> I mean, Probably bad. not. They're bad. And I think, and I, yeah, I think, and I think, I think it is. We talk about opportunity and fit. I think it's a. I think this is not going to be good for Trey Young. I don't. Him getting to, because I don't. I think it's going to. You're going to be able to build bad habits by being on a team that loses excessively and the offense, like the usage rate becoming really high and whatever, because we, you know, you and I both, and I know I listen to draft class all the time. You were not a hundred percent sold on young by no, any means. Not at all. I know you're not. And so, and, and one of the concerns that when I talked to talent evaluators around the league was, uh, are you going to turn the whole offense over to him? Cause that's what it was at Oklahoma. And you kind of watch that team and, and in the absence of really anybody else, I mean, because it's not like Baysmore. I mean, I kind of feel there's a couple of players I like. I like. I think Prince is a dog. I like. I like John Collins. He's got some talent. Um, but I just don't think that being able to go, you know, six for twenty four on a random night is is the best way for him to enter eh, the NBA. Whatever. I don't. Yeah, you want to suck up here, Atlanta. You want to blow. You want. You want another top pick. You want to chance it. The RJ Barrett type prospects in next year's draft. You want to suck. You want to have an opportunity to take Nasir Little, Cam Reddish. I'm talking about yeah, him and his development as a player. I, I, I know. And how it but, could but, hurt. Um, it's like, it, it could hurt, but it could also be like, oh, great, you're throwing this guy into the fire and he's going to fail, fail, fail time and time again. And that failure could help him develop as a player and learn from his mistakes. It could go that way too. I just think that there's a lot of guys that are like that, that end up that it becomes very hard to deal with as the years go on, because what they do, what they get used to is playing 30 something, 35 minutes a game, getting to take whatever shot they want. And that that's, that's the become what they used to. And then they're not able to do it within a winning context. Isn't that what you and it, want Trey Young to be though? Like eventually as a guy who does play 35 minutes a game for you and does, you know, carry the load at the end of games, it becomes your go-to end of scorer, your, your primary playmaker. That's what you want Trey Young to be. And I think, it, it all depends on him ultimately, you know, mentally, can he handle this failure that he's going to experience and the amount of defensive attention? Like a lot of times he's going to have the the opponent's best defender on him and he's, and he's going to ha- struggle. He's going to have a lot of bad games. How much can he battle through that adversity, say mentally strong, moving forward and build from mistakes? That That's what I'm looking forward to see from seeing from Trey Young. Will he succeed? I don't know. Like there, there's, there's flaws in his game for sure, Chris. No doubt about it. I think it's just very, very hard to be on an excessively bad team at the beginning. Um, you know, and there, there, there's a kid, there's a guy, I don't want to say kid because he's an adult now, <laughs> but, you know, I was talking, I interviewed uh, Marshawn Brooks the other day. Marshawn, Marshawn Brooks, Brooks was <laughs> huge. He, he was a huge college scorer, right? Um, came to the NBA and I asked him about, you know, he has been, he's been the best player in China for some time now. Came over at the end of the season and was scoring like crazy for a terrible team in the Grizzlies. So I asked Marshawn Brooks, you know, you know, you see all these, uh, oh, what's that thing? Players Tribune, right? You know, that letter to my former self. Yeah. Like, what would you write? And he said, when I was young, I came out, right? And he was a big time scorer and he was drafted pretty high. And he said, and I, you know, I got, I went to the Nets and I played 38 minutes a night and I was able to shoot any shot I wanted and all that kind of stuff. And he said, and then the next year, we moved to Brooklyn and the team like had to be good and they made all these moves and then they signed Joe Johnson and Joe Johnson now becomes, and there were nights where I'd play 10 minutes nights that I play zero <laughs> minutes in and out of the lineup. Right. And my, and what I was trained was like, I can do, you know, I'm playing every single night and I'm, I'm a real NBA player. And he's like, and I handled it so badly, you know, it, it yeah. destroyed me. I mean, and, and next thing you know, Right. Like a guy that that's what I'm that's the only and maybe that's in my head. But I think about <laughs> the impact that that can have on players and the fact that you've got this free reign on horrible teams. But then when it's winning time, you're not able to handle it necessarily. Uh, the difference is Marshawn Brooks sucks. Trey Young doesn't. That's not true. It, now? It kind of is true. Right now? Marsh, Marshawn Brooks was the 25th pick in the draft. Uh, really just a scorer, and that's about it. He was Trey Young. I tweeted this the other day, and people got He angry led the country in scoring, by the way. Just a scorer. And Trey Young, by the way, is more than just a scorer. He's a really, really good playmaker. 
I think his playmaking right now at this stage might be better than his shooting. And I tweeted that the other day, and people were like, like flipped out at me. It's like, no, well, this passing's really good. Uh, his shooting, you know, we'll see how it develops over, off the dribble over time. But Trayon can do a handful of things on the court that's going to keep him in the you, league. Hey, you want to make a bet? You want to make a bet that Marshawn Brooks has a better year than Trey Young this year? Want to? <laughs> what kind of you name bet it. is this? You name it. Is this a real this bet? This year. No, I mean, listen, if you're going to slander the guy, he has a better season than Trey Young this year. Well, what, what are the qualifiers for, for this bet? You, you, what you is what is a better season? We're, we're comparing no, you a, call, a 20, you call 29, 30-year-old player Correct. who's in probably the prime of his athletic life okay. to All Trey right. Young, who is a rookie in a bad situation who's going to have a lot of the defensive attention against him. It wouldn't surprise me if Marshawn Brooks and, and your some your advanced stats <laughs> had a better Advan- year. Advanced? We don't need anything advanced. We don't need anything advanced. Now how are we measuring this bet? Uh, you you called? How about, how about how is this? this? We a look thing. at Marshawn Brooks will have a better because he's going to have a better season than Trey Young. What? How is this a thing? Uh, w- watch Trey Young play this year. You tell me how it's a thing. Oh. I watched them both on the court the other night. You, I tell you this: if you'd never watched a basketball game in your life, I'll tell you which one you would have taken. It ain't close. Oh, I, just, it I ain't just pulled close. up the numbers. I just it pulled ain't up the close. numbers. Marshawn Brooks in the game that you saw: seven for seven from the field, eighteen points in sixteen minutes. Are you kidding me? Give me that guy. All right, we're gonna see. We're gonna see, Kevin. You're. It, I mean, it's not my fault that you don't pay attention to who's on what team and whatever. But Trey Young, give me a break. Good. What's grief. that? What's that TNT sketch? The which team is he on? Sketch. Yeah. What team is he on? How dare you slander Marshawn Brooks after I tell a heartwarming story about him and him coming back from China? It's cool that Brooks is back. He was a guy that I enjoyed in the draft, uh, but he's not that good. <laughs> Trey Young is a top pick for a reason. And when was the last time you saw Marshawn Brooks play basketball? Not not when he went seven for seven against the Hawks. No, His just last, when was the last time? last season when he was dropping twenty a game? Oh, okay. And that's when you decided he sucks. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about when he's a young player. Oh, Marshawn oh, Brooks he sucked ten. He yeah, sucked ten years ago. Oh, he sucked. Yeah, because your because your story was about oh I got all these minutes with the Nets and then I didn't. Yeah, because you stunk. That that's my point. His rookie season stunk. I thought he was on the all rookie team. About, am I wrong? Uh, Wait, am I talking about when he's a young am player? I making when, the, when you're saying it was time to win. Okay, let's see if uh, uh let's see, uh, yeah, thirteen points, thirteen points, four rebounds, two assists, forty three percent from the field. That was his rookie year, and obviously it went all downhill after that. Uh, let's see, Dejounte Murray torn ACL on the heels of the Lonnie Walker news that his meniscus is torn. We now have uh, Patty Mills, DeMar DeRozan, Bryn Forbes, Derek White, who I loved at uh, Salt Lake Summer League, by the way, and Marco Bellinelli as your guards. That's pretty light on the guard front for uh, the San Antonio Spurs. Wouldn't you agree? What do you think the Murray injury does to their uh, projections? Definitely hurts their defense. That's for sure. Right, as a young player, already one of the big reasons why San Antonio was so good defensively last year. Murray was rightfully named to one of the two All Defensive teams, and that's going to hurt. However, I'm excited to see Derek White with more opportunity. Derek White is a far more impressive offensive prospect than Dejounte Murray with his shooting ability, his smooth passing ability, more better at reading the floor. I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing White getting a chance within that San Antonio offense. And we would have seen it anyway with Murray, which is obviously why the injury sucks and why it's disappointing for the Spurs. But more chances for Derek White is going to be interesting. I like Derek White a lot. You know, it's still one of those, the Spurs have been able to plug in all manner of people over the years. And so who knows what could take place. But I saw, let me give you something we actually agree on, Kevin. Um, (laughs) You said the Warriors, Houston. Oklahoma City, the Jazz, and the Lakers. That those were the teams that you thought five playoff locks, right? Yeah, that yeah. you I would tell you that I would be surprised, very surprised if any of those five did not make the Western Conference playoffs. I would. I agree. We agree on this. Um, those are the five teams. And then the rest of it, who the hell knows? 
I think we could have a situation last year, uh, like like last year. You know, a lot of these teams are one injury away from, for sure. You know, being a losing team. Honestly, right? Like, I mean, for God's sake, if God forbid, uh, you know, knock on wood, it doesn't happen. Portland lost one of their two big ones. I mean, it'd be very hard to win games um, without either Dame or McCollum. And the same goes with a lot of teams. We saw what happened to Minnesota when Jimmy Butler went out for an extended amount of time. It was it was a trudge. Um, and they're probably going to lose him. So, by the way, let's move to that. <laughs> I read the first sentence and I was like, oh, and the first sentence of uh, Shams uh, Sharania report said, Jimmy Butler has returned to Minnesota. And I was like, what? And then the rest of the sentence was to reiterate his request to be traded. And I was like, he flew to Minnesota to tell him again. <laughs> so I guess it said that he had a meeting with Thibodeau to tell him he wanted to get traded again. And this obviously has gone very poorly, this whole situation. And the story came out that I guess his camp, you know, they feel like his camp was responsible for leaking it and that the, you kind of find out that this Jimmy Butler trade could have been done a long time ago, except that the news got out that Jimmy Butler wanted to be traded. And so now that really pissed off Minnesota, too. What do you think? I don't know if that's necessarily true that they would have traded him had it not been leaked. So I think that might have impacted their leverage for sure um, from wherever the leaks came from, whether it was from Butler's side or somewhere else in the league. Um but yeah, there's no doubt Butler still wants out. That's been made clear to me. That hasn't changed. Uh, if you're Thibodeau, what you might be doing, though, is taking a massive risk that he returns and you could lose further leverage. You might not gain it necessarily. You could continue to lose leverage because right now it seems like Miami is the only team uh, in this sweepstakes. Uh, may, maybe somebody else steps up. Obviously, Houston wants him, but I don't think they can offer as much as Miami can. Like, you know, Two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, however long ago it was, I had heard that Miami was kind of inevitable for Jimmy Butler. But at the time, Josh Richardson wasn't on the table, as far as I know. But last week, it, it does seem like Richardson has been a part of trade offers for Jimmy Butler. And to me, that, that, that indicates that we're at least closer to a deal if Richardson is out there. Richardson is a really I, good two-way player. I'd want, I'd want Richardson and, and Winslow if I'm making that deal. I'd want both. I would want both of those players. And I think I should get those if I'm if I'm trading Jimmy Butler to you. Don't you? I mean, it's fair, it's fair. I mean, you're still not getting right. You're not getting an all-star. Yeah, you in know, return. I, don't, I don't know, man. Like if if you're Miami, you need to feel you, you need to feel really confident that Jimmy Butler is willing to stay. Because right now he's in a spot where he's willing to do whatever to get out. Um, and if he's not willing to stay in Miami, giving up Richardson who is a really, really good two-way player and has gotten better over the last couple seasons, and Winslow, who, you know, he hasn't met expectations, but that guy can still get defend. He can still do some quirky things for you on offense. He can be used as a small ball five. Jimmy Butler gives you a chance to be really good. I mean, and and he's somebody that maybe when you have cap space in the future that maybe somebody wants to team up with him in Miami. But, man, like... There's significant risk there if he bounces and you're and you're letting go of two of your more valuable assets for him. I don't know if you can give both. If you're Miami, I think you got to stick to one with maybe your 2019 pick, like a like a Richardson 2019 first with salary fill for a deal. Uh, giving up multiple young assets like Richardson plus Bam at a bio. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I do I pretty, that. I feel pretty good about him resigning with me if I'm Miami. I mean, what, what what makes you feel good though? <laughs> that I'm Miami and that I'm going to be good, mm. and I think that they would be a top four seed in the Eastern Conference if he's there. But then you so also you'd win. But we we, win. You know, we talked about this before, I think. Though uh, the fact is, is that in addition to Butler requesting to go to Brooklyn, New York, or LA, those are the three teams on his list. He's also going to turn thirty next year, and he wants a five year max contract when right. he's missed. He's not. He's not Blake Griffin. He's not injury prone like that. But he's had a handful of injuries that have kept him off the court. He's played only over 70 games only twice in his career. And this is kind of my point about the NFL discussion that we're, that we're going to have is like availability matters, Chris. It does. It really matters. And Butler is a guy that hasn't proven to be the most available player. 
Speaking of Kevin, another uh, in our news and notes is that uh, Dwight Howard uh, very well may might, might miss the opener and uh, got pain injections in his back. It's never uh, oh, never boy. good for to ha- hear about needles going in a guy's Off back to a before the season start. ever. Yeah, and I know you've got a you got a lot of stock in this, right? Well, Given here, <laughs> I mean, it's like a penny stock. He's he's on the he's on the Kevin O'Con artist All Star team this year. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, look, Dwight Dwight Howard's stock was like at two hundred dollars a share before. It's it's like four cents right now. So buying buying stock in Dwight Howard is the same you, much. Well, unfortunately, you own all four cents. <laughs> no, everybody else has gone run for the coast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, you're only on the hook I'm, I'm for four just, cents. I'm just buying and hoping to sell at some point yeah. during the season. Sell, high, sell never, high, sell high. Yeah, I never want to hear about a guy having a, a needle go in his back. That's yeah, for sure. That's, that's bad news. Knee injuries and back injuries scare the hell out of me. Yeah, uh, you wrote about Giannis Antetokounmpo. A lot of people are going to be paying uh, are keenly aware. Number one, speaking of body transformations, a guy that looked like a superhero in the offseason. He's buried some threes in the preseason so far. He's got a new coach in Mike Budenholzer, uh, who obviously had a uh, tremendous amount of success in Atlanta. Um, what do we think? You say new Giannis this year. New Giannis. I don't even know if it's as much new Giannis as Giannis in a new system that's going to change certain things in his game. Um, the Bucks are playing at a faster pace this preseason, shooting a hell of a lot more three-point shots. Uh, the the Jason Kidd Bucks uh, were always in the bottom 10 in pace. You know, Budenholzer's Hawks were always at the upper half of the league. Uh, the Hawks were always in the top 10 or so in three-point rate. The Bucks were not. They're always in the bottom five or so. Um, so their their offense is going to be different. They're playing differently this season. They're running. They're running more motion sets, especially motion strong, where they swing the ball from one side to the other. Giannis Giannis within this offense is going to, I believe, get a lot more playmaking opportunities. But with the floor spacing with Brook Lopez and Ursan Ilyasova at the four and five, look, man, like that paint is going to be wide open for Giannis to get to the rim, and, and, and I I think that's where. It's going to be a source of playmaking opportunity for him. And when he can kick it out to Lopez in the corner or Ilias over on the wing, it'll be exciting to watch. Uh, ultimately, will this be enough to propel the Bucks to you know a top seed in, in the East, which would also mean Giannis is maybe the favorite for MVP when it comes to voting in April? We'll see. Uh, but, I, but I certainly think Giannis's game is going to uh, take a leap this year. Again, <laughs> it feels like every year he takes a leap, doesn't it? Right? Um, but I think another leap is coming because of the the new system and the surrounding pieces. And that's exciting to watch. Yeah. And, I mean, Budenholzer won 60 games in Atlanta. Right? And and got a lot of guys a lot of money. That's for sure. What if I get that? It was four of them made the all-star team that year, right? Yeah, those Hawks teams had some yeah. good talent. They were fun really to watch. Good. Yeah, they were fun Spur, to watch. Spurs East. Spurs yes. East, that 14-15 season when they won, what was it, 18, 19 games in a row? Right. Yeah, something yep. like that. Oh, no, it was a fun team to watch, for sure. Other than uh, that, they were like a 40-ish yeah. win team, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Other little news and notes. All right, Isaac, I want you to defend this watchability draft that took place <laughs> yesterday on the Ringer NBA show. Oh, I've man. got this written down. I mean, uh, my beloved Grizzlies, of which, by the way, I work for the Ringer, and people, uh, if they watch League Pass, they'd know I, I'm literally on the pre, half, and post game for yeah. home games. So they can see me yeah. as if I don't make it infinitely watchable. <laughs> right? Oh, man. And they go like second to last in this draft. I mean, the friggin' Nets get taken in like the third or fourth. The Nets, the <laughs> Nets could walk through Times Square wearing their warm-ups and no one would recognize them. And they play in Brooklyn. And they're watchable? Oh, for goodness Chris, sake. I took them third to last. Oh. So I took them I took them over the Spurs and the Magic, <laughs> I believe. Um I was shocked that they were still on the board by the time it reached me. And I took the Clippers with my fifth pick, and I thought for sure the Grizzlies were gonna go ahead of the Clippers. And I, I, you know, I'm, I was lucky that well, they landed for the sixth pick for me. No, Jaron Jackson Jr. just has to be awesome. Then you can become like the 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 Utah. I think he Jazz will be where, awesome. Well, I mean, yeah. but that's like how the Utah Jazz were, right? By by December, guess what we were all doing on League Pass? We're freaking watching Jazz games. Yeah, we were right because 
There's nothing more fun than an awesome rookie. So here's wait, hoping. Wait, how'd the Spurs go 29th? Uh, we just all hate Shea, you know. It's just osmosis <laughs> by hanging around you. Just absorb the energy that, that, from you. Well, I'm like so excited to watch DeRozan and, and their new system. Uh, I think we were just overreacting because DeJounte Murray had just gone down um, on Sunday, Did, right? So we had just reacting to that. It's like, oh, we don't have Murray. You know, do we want to watch DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Rudy Gay all in the same court? Honestly, I just it kind of just felt like they just slipped our mind. Collectively, it's been decades of disrespect for the Spurs. I know it really has, yeah, decades. While they won five championships, who had the number one pick in that? Juliet. Juliet did, yeah. Took the Jazz number one. That's did you listen to it? Did you listen to the podcast? I I called that pick the Anthony Bennett pick, and I immediately regretted it because Juliet's my boss. Um, but <laughs> wait, right, so that, wait, wait a minute. I'm looking at the the on our Instagram. We have the league pass watchability draft, and it has Juliet, Micah, Isaac, Chris, Gons with their picks. So I see Juliet, Micah in that order was the draft, correct? This is correct. So wait a minute, Micah took the Pelicans second. I know he's a Pelicans fan. Yeah. Wait so a minute. I, okay, this really. A, how does, how does Gons ends up with the Sixers and Lakers pick six and seven? How do they not go in the top? Four. The Sixers, the Sixers, I'm sure like we all thought about taking the Sixers. I just hate the Lakers, so I pass on the Lakers. I don't want to watch the Lakers. Also, in my defense, if anyone has a problem with my draft order, I found out that I was doing it five minutes before I was filling in for somebody else. So I'm just saying well, you I, still you still ended up with your clippers. I did, because no one else was gonna take them anyway, so, so I might as well. For what it's worth, I think Juliet and Chris had the best teams, the most interesting teams. Even despite the Jazz going number one, like Juliet's team is really interesting to me. Oh wow. And, and yeah, Chris, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I can't believe you say that, Kevin. Both of your editors and, say, I really oh, think they have the best Ju- Ju- uh, no, I, I mean it. <laughs> I mean it. No, oh, you, man. No. Hey, you know, hey, you know what? No, I think I mean Bill would <laughs> if Bill was involved, he would have had the best team. No. No, Bill would, Bill's team would have been better than everyone's. No, I, I mean, I mean that sincerely because <laughs> because what I'm looking at is most of the top teams are interesting. Like the one, the yeah. three picks. I'm talking about the four to six. Okay, those are the ones uh, where the decision to me is la- makes la- the last most interesting. Two, <laughs> last two things. The first question for Kevin O'Connor is this: Are you the only person at the Ringer.com that has not seen a Star Is Born? Probably, yeah. Um, you are, and I'm, I look forward to seeing it. But I know we'll see when when, when to find two hours and two plus hours to find to yeah. to go see. I want to see it. Have you I, seen it, Chris? I, I did see it. Oh, yes. how was it? Did it make you cry? It was, it was great. Did it make it you cry? Uh, the, te- the tears I, form in the back of your. I'm, I might I might have gotten a little emotional. Okay, yes. yeah. I I, I really want to see it. I look forward to seeing it. Hey, listen, even my man Mark Titus liked it, so you know it's good. I love Lady right? Gaga, too. Yeah, so yeah. look forward Who to it. Who doesn't? Yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's, she's ra- I guess there are people that hate her, but you know, it's funny. Uh, speaking of, uh, majority people do like her. I don't know if universally beloved would necessarily be the word, but that is what I called Drew Brees last night. Mm. There have been some Whoa, people. Whoa, what a transition. That was there have been, Whoa. There, there, there have been some people that came uh, uh, out since, but a very, very, very small amount saying, I hate Drew Brees. There was, uh, there was surprisingly a couple of people that were like, oh, yeah, well, I guess you don't know about the Advocare stuff. And I'm like, what the hell? I had one guy say that he tried to ruin flag football for kids in San Diego. And so I hate him. Like, <laughs> like, it was just strange. Some of the, uh, some of the different uh, responses, but it was a vast minority for the most part. Drew Brees is rather uh, beloved. And I said that he absolutely deserves to be in the best ever conversation. And you responded, he's amazing, but the best ever conversation, good grief. Brees isn't close <laughs> to Brady, Montana, Manning, or Rogers. All right. Yeah, that, that was that was mostly me just trying to channel bust you my, with, with a good bust grief. My chips. Yeah, yeah, I was yes. trying to, yeah, exactly. Uh, Drew Brees. I thought you did well. I thought you did well. Yeah, I mean, dude, like, a lot of people got angry about that. Like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I, 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 I got ratioed. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Hey, I'm glad you stuck your toe into the NFL yeah, waters yeah. and immediately yeah. got destroyed. Uh, you know, just to tie this to NBA, it's, you know, like we alluded to earlier with Jimmy Butler, I think one of the, the hallmark traits with Drew Brees is his availability. Ever since he had that torn labrum early in his career in San Diego, he's somebody who has stayed healthy, never really gets hurt, never misses time, never gets bounced from games early. Drew Brees can always be leaned on 
to be on the field and to produce at a high level. And, and, and to me, I think across sports, that sometimes is what gets overlooked uh, when it comes to evaluating talent. And that's one of my one of my hangups with Rodgers. Like, he might be the most talented quarterback ever, Aaron Rodgers, uh, with his ability to pass on the move, roll out, throw off balance, and sort of throw darts 45 yards down the field. Rodgers might be the most talented quarterback ever, but he's also been off the field quite a lot too. Um, I think the conversation with Drew Brees he belongs in that general range. I don't think he's on the I, same level as Brady or Montana, but he's absolutely one of the top 10 quarterbacks ever. Well, I mean, here's the, here's the thing. It's one thing. I do feel like it's kind of taking away from, you know, I, I understand what you're saying about availability, but you've got to be available and amazing. And he has been amazing over the course of his career. Sure, there's only, yeah. there's only nine 5,000-yard seasons in NFL history. He has five Yeah, I was about to say, he has like five or six, right? <laughs> well, he, since he's been in the league, He's led the NFL in passing seven times. Brady, Manning, and Roethlisberger combined for seven times. I mean, this guy, in terms of being a prolific passer, he has no peer. I mean, it's like most 300-yard games, more 400-yard games, highest completion percentage in a season, uh, highest, most career yards, most seasons leading the league in passing. Beyond, and beyond all that, I think the other argument for him is that he has not had, you know, his three top targeted players in his career. How about this? This will shock me. Uh, number one, 2,300 of his 5,200 completions have been completed to players drafted in the seventh round or undrafted. His three most targeted players have been Marcus Colston, Lance Moore, and Jimmy Graham. And Jimmy Graham, I, I suppose, like I, he, he won't be a Hall of Famer. I would, I, I, I but he's a, he, he was a great tight end though in his prime. He was a great I mean, tight when, end when he was healthy prime. early in his career before injuries but, hit him. You know, I think last year in New but, Orleans or in Seattle, he was a great, yeah. great tight end. Oh, he was amazing for a, a stint, right? But it's not. I mean, Brady had Moss for three years. Obviously, Manning had Reggie Wayne and, and Marvin Harrison. They're both, you know, Hall, will end up in the Hall of Fame. I'm sure. Sir Harrison already has. Um, uh, you know, Brady had Welker, Gronk, Edelman, Moss, but you could I, argue I that he can, made those. I don't think we should underrate Breeze's weapons, though. Like, Darren Sproul is one of the best receiving backs ever. Reggie Bush, solid. Pierre Thomas. Not Brent, all-timers, though. I know, but really good players. It's, it, and, you know. Hey, I'm sorry. Is this the Ringer NBA show? Yeah, yeah. It, is. NBA? it is. It is. Right. I'm just it checking. Is. I'm just checking. This is yeah. not the NFL show? How dare you? I mean, considering you were part of that watchability draft yesterday. <laughs> For God's sakes. The Saints have put good offensive talent around Drew Brees. Like, I think that's undeniable. Then some people no, would... It, the, it the, is people, the people, the people who, will, who will knock Drew Brees would, would look at the fact that he plays in a dome and some of his home and road splits are a little... So to sometimes. Peyton Manning. So of course. Peyton Manning. Oh, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what we're going to hold against the guy? I don't, I'm not I holding know, against man. him. I'm just saying if you're talking best ever, I, I think... Tom Brady and Joe Montana, I think, are above Drew Brees, but for Drew, sure, Drew, and that's yeah. because of the Super Bowl rings. And uh, but I mean, his listen, I, this play. Tom, yeah, this Thomas kid's the best receiver that's ever played with Brees, and it's happening late in his career, like maybe at the end. Michael Thomas is better than any receiver he's ever had outside of Graham. I mean, he has not had weapons. What are you talking about? I just told you. Marcus I just told you that almost half of his <laughs> half of his completions are the guys that were drafted in the seventh round or undrafted. Sure, but that that also is a testament to the Saints for drafting steals late in the draft, and yeah, and of course the Brees for helping those players along. But Colson wasn't a bad receiver; he's no, really but, good. But when your top two targets are, are Colston and Lance Moore, come on, Kev, these are not all time players. These are these are well, guys. Jimmy Jeremy Graham at the Jim time was a dominant tight end. Dominant. He was arguably better than Gronk. For a couple of years, arguably. I agree. And he played for whatever, how many ever seasons he did with Drew Brees. Um, Drew Brees is an all-time great. No doubt. I That's mean, all yeah, I said. No That's all I said. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with he, you. He's a top do 10 all-time quarterback. Do I, do I think he is the best ever? No. But I mean, you got to win X number of Super Bowls to be above those guys. But I absolutely think you can argue Manning and Rodgers, other guys with one Super Bowl. Right, because I mean, it, it, when it's all said and done, he's gonna have this record book. And Manning won too. Oh, I don't even count. The you don't count one. the. You don't count Wait a minute. Wait, the Broncos, the Broncos won? won. Yeah. Oh, Wait, good. You gotta grief. count that. They, they won despite him. 
They literally won despite him. Von Miller won the damn MVP of the game. I mean, Still it, on his it, record. It, it counts <laughs> it counts for Manning for sure. But yeah, like he he wasn't great. It's like Roethlisberger's first one. Right, like he did everything he could to lose the game and still couldn't lose because the Steelers. Right? <laughs> that, that's always the funny thing when it comes to discussing like these, you know, big big game losses. Like we we've talked about this before, Chris, with NBA, but it's like in Tom Brady's Super Bowls that that he lost. The one against the Eagles had one of the greatest quarterback performances in Super Bowl history ever, but they lost. Uh, you know, against the Giants, going against these dominant defenses. People talked about in the past how Manning choked. It's like, yeah, but he went against these dominant Patriots Patriots defenses each year in the early two thousands. Yeah, but Drew Brees well, didn't, it, it, didn't necessarily have the best overall talent. You know, as we talked about, um, to elevate his play to that level. How about this one? And I'll end with this. And this will not make. Uh, Chris Ryan and Gons and all them happy. But the truth is, I think that if the the kid just knocks down the ball and the digs play never happens, I think the Saints could have won the Super Bowl last year. I think they would have beaten Philly and then they would have gone and they would have played New England. If Nick Foles could throw for 700 yards against them, what could Drew Brees do? I mean, they had a real crack at winning the Super Bowl last year. Their defense was really good. And again, that digs play, it flips everything, right? Now you're ousted instead. But I think they could have beaten the Nick Foles-led Eagles. Hell, Atlanta should have if Matt Ryan and Julio Jones could make a play on fourth down. They could have, I mean, so again, the, the margin is slim, right? If one of those amazing plays doesn't happen, maybe he wins another Super Bowl last mm-hmm. year. It's possible. Yep. It, it, it's 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 remarkable how thin those yep. margins are in, in the in these high stakes games. I mean, I think about like as a Patriots fan, they could just as easily have eight Super Bowls or zero with the amount yep. of close games that they've had. It, it's that's what makes it so fun to watch. Yeah, Venetary starts shanking right <laughs> game yeah. winners. No, no kidding, right? Or no John kidding. Casey doesn't kick the ball out of bounds in mm-hmm. the Carolina one. Yeah, or if, yep. if the ball doesn't stick to to the side of. Helmet. If if Asante Samuel is able to knock down a pass, <laughs> if, if Vince Wilfork is able to stop yep. Brandon Jacobs on fourth uh, down earlier in the drive before all that happened, uh, if all those things were able to happen, who knows how different things would be one way or the other. Kevin, we are one week from today having the NBA season begin. Also, in addition to that, make sure you uh, keep an eye out for Palooza, which is going to be taking place for the NBA on that very day. Also, there's a new video series. And this one's going to feature Brandon Ingram, who we talked about a lot about last week that is coming out for the ringer. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Go give us a rating and review on iTunes. It really helps. Five the stars. Show. Five stars. And I'll talk to you next week, Kev. Thanks, brother. Good chatting today, Chris. That was fun. It's going to do it for another ringer NBA show. We will talk to you next week. 